1: All right, welcome into the Hoist the Colors podcast, our pre-Christmas edition, our Christmas week edition, so probably our last one uh, until after Christmas for sure, and then probably we'll have another one after the ECU Wichita State game on December 28th, but we are joined by our intern, Jonathan Wagner. He's he's almost becoming like our full-time employee with as much work as he's putting in lately. Uh, Jonathan, welcome back into the program.
0: Thanks for having me back. Um... Glad to be able to talk some hoops now.
1: Yeah, man, ECU is is rolling. They they really are. The Pirates keep finding ways to win. We'll talk a lot about ECU basketball in today's show because really that's the hot topic. Signing day is past us, at least the early signing period is. We'll talk some recruiting with our questions that we'll receive on the Hoist the Colors message board. But Jonathan, I want to start off? We'll jump right into it. Last night's game, ECU improves to seven and one. Most importantly, they get their first conference win. And I think the biggest takeaway I have from watching this game is, and Ronnie Woodward from The Reflector said it perfectly when we were watching it, you know, really nothing too fancy. It was just kind of a matter-of-fact victory, and I think when you do that against a team, yeah, Tulane's, I think, picked to finish last, but I don't think they're a bad team. No team in the American's bad, and ECU just kind of controlled the pace throughout. I thought it kind of showed when ECU is playing team basketball, when they're playing off each other, they're... You know, they're, they're clearly better than the bottom of this conference, and I think they have a chance to be pretty good.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with you completely. Um, you said team basketball. I think that's a big reason they've started off how they have. Jaden, I don't think he's quite been the Jaden we're used to, but they found ways to win. Jaden's found ways to contribute, even if he's not having his best game. I mean, last night he had, what, I think three first half points, and – He finished with 21 and 10 rebounds and had one of the probably his best second halves of the season. So they're finding ways to win without him. And they're, like you said, they're playing a good all around game. They're moving the ball, they're playing good defense, fundamentals. That's what Dooley says a lot. So,
1: yeah, I'm impressed. And Joe Dooley, you know, he is never satisfied after a game. Every opening statement, they could win by 30, and he is going to say, you know, I thought we did some things well. Here's what we didn't do well. Uh, and that's just that's just Joe Dooley he is a teacher at all times he wants the the most out of his team and he's a perfectionist so ECU picks up a 68 58 victory uh, ECU improves to seven and one one and one in the American five and two drops uh, is Tulane is what they dropped to zero and two in the American uh, they actually played Memphis pretty close in their first conference game so I, I think Tulane has some talent uh, they're just still trying to figure out how to play a team play as a team um you look at the box score Jaden like you said 21 points from Jaden 17 of those in the second half but I thought Brandon Suggs you know comes up with 14 his second straight double digit game uh J.J. Miles comes back from injury he scores 13 hits a couple threes and Tyree Jackson had a really solid first half and played good defensively nine points uh tumba Baruti continues to play well we only saw eight guys in the rotation last night but I think that's your best eight right now. And again, zero points from Tristan Newton. We talked a lot about Jaden, but Tristan is kind of the second guy that we all counted on, and for him not to score and for you to still win comfortably, I think that says a lot.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, you you mentioned they played eight. Eight guys. There was no Farrakhan. He was a little injured, I think, got injured in practice. Um, but yeah, it was really impressive. They played eight. They stuck to eight, and I think... All eight played well. And they found ways to score, like you said, even without Newton. Baruti stepped up. Tyree, like you said, had a great first half. And they're finding ways to put the ball in a basket. They're shooting well. No matter who it is, I think they're shooting a lot better than we're used to. So it's been really encouraging.
1: Yeah, the shooting percentages over last year are way up. The defensive shooting percentages are are much lower, which is good for ECU. So the numbers are... Uh, are really good, and they passed the eye test as well. Uh, Jonathan, I want to get into kind of a more big-picture question before we dive into a, a bunch of questions on the Hoist of Colors message board. But East Carolina, you know, a lot of people are talking about, hey, you know, can ECU make the tournament, all this stuff. Like, I get it, you know, we, we have a right to be excited. It's been a long time since ECU has started this well in basketball. But, you know, we do have to remember they've yet to – prove a ton in this conference and I think this conference is still a beast uh, even though it may be a little down this year. We saw that in their opener at SMU. I thought SMU looked like the better team uh, and granted SMU is projected to finish in the top two or three in this league but you look at this schedule and you know I, I do think it's important that they go 7-1 to start with and they take care of business against Tulane but I mean there are so many games in this league as I run down the schedule that every night is just going to be a war and there's no easy wins uh you look at this upcoming slate at Wichita State um for their next game on December 30th and then at Tulane which again coming back against Tulane in a short turnaround won't be easy uh USF which has beat Cincinnati on the road then you go to Cincinnati which I don't know if ECU has ever won at Cincinnati uh and then you get to February and this is a stretch that I don't think ECU wants to see, but they're going to have to go through Houston at Memphis, SMU at Temple, at Houston, Wichita State at Tulsa. That's February. I mean, that is a brutal stretch. And I guess Jonathan, from your point of view, you know, as a student, as somebody who's, who's followed this program now a couple of years closely, what are fair expectations for this for this ECU basketball team in conference play? Now that we're now that we're going to see ECU play eighteen more conference games?
0: It's tough. Like you said, the schedule is just brutal. The longer you go, the worse it gets. So I think early on in this little stretch against Wichita State, Tulane, hopefully you sneak one against South Florida. You play them twice in a few games. You have to come away, I think, 500 at least throughout this next little stretch before you get into February ideally a game or two above, but once you get into those games, I think realistically, I mean, Houston's really good. Everyone's everyone's good. I think we've talked about it a lot, but you have to find a way to be in or steal a couple of those 50, 50 games. And I think with a lot of 50, 50 games back and forth and just back to back to back, I think the guys are going to get tired. It's going to be tough. So, they've just got to stick in it and play good fundamental basketball. And I think they can steal away a couple. But I'm not going to say they're going to finish above 500 in conference or anything like that yet. I'm not ready to say that.
1: Yeah, they got a lot to prove to get there. And I think, you know, watching last night's Wichita State South Florida game. Wichita State ended up winning overtime in Tampa. It was one of those games where it was typical American Athletic Conference. Like, they were just beating the crap out of each other. I know it's basketball, but, man, these games do get physical. You got a lot of big guys in this league. And it just came down to who made the plays in those final five minutes to win. And South Florida made enough to force overtime, but then it was Wichita State in overtime that just made the shots. And that's how a lot of these conference games are going to go. Like, it's going to be – a war for 40 minutes, and whoever makes the plays at the end, outside of like your, you know, when ECU goes to play at Houston, I don't expect it to be that type of game. But when ECU plays at Wichita State, when they play Cincinnati this year, Temple, South Florida, like those are the games I expect to go either way. And it's hard to predict how those are going to go. So I mean, if it's up to me, I think eight and 12, even though that's under 500, I think that's a reasonable expectation. Uh, some, Some fans think they should go over 500 in conference, but you know, you're talking about a team that I think went to five and thirteen in league play last year. If you go eight and twelve in a twenty game slate, if you're if you're around that ten and ten mark, a few games either way, I think that's a pretty successful season, assuming they get all of them in. But I don't think ECU's ever gone five hundred or close to it in the American. So I think that would represent a big step. And if you get a few breaks one way or the other, maybe you're above five hundred, and then in the top half of the conference, I don't think it's unreasonable. I just think they have a lot to prove, and you're going to have to find ways to win those close games to make it happen.
0: Yeah, like you said, it's tough to say I think they're going to stick around 500, but it'd be real nice if they could. I think it'd be a little unexpected, but it would be really nice if they would.
1: Yeah, and even if you go – let's say you go 8-12, and what does that put you at? You have 6-0 oh nine conference so 8-12 and would put you at 14-12. and I think my math is right there. I mean, that's still a, yeah. that's a significant improvement over last year's what, ten and twenty or eleven and twenty record. So I mean, you have to have realistic expectations. I don't think we can sit here and say if he's huge if they don't go twelve and eight in conference play, this is a failure of a season. I mean, you still have a lot scheduled to return uh next year and I think Joe Dooley is building this thing brick by brick. And now in year three we're starting to really see it come together. So yeah, I just want to talk about that because, I mean, there's going to be, there's going to be some games in conference play where ECU plays really well and, and wins, and there's going to be some games they just have an off night, and they can get beat badly in this league. So, it's going to be up and down, but I think more times than not, you're going to see a lot of games decide about five points either way. And uh, for the first time in a while, I feel pretty confident with ECU going into the majority of these games based on how they're playing right now all right let's dive into these questions jonathan otherwise we'll be here uh, until christmas uh, as we sit here on december 23rd at 1 30 recording this podcast uh, buck wild 17 uh, big fan of intern lee by the way is buck wild <laughs> um, as of this moment ecu basketball is the only seven win team in the american his question is how cool is that jonathan i'll let you first answer this
0: I'll take it, and, yeah, I mean, it's really cool. I've seen – I've only been really closely following the program for my four years as a student here, but I've seen some really bad basketball inside of Minji's Coliseum. I don't care who they're playing. I don't care how they look. To see a 7-1 and one record heading into conference, it's really nice. No matter how you put it, I think it's really nice.
1: All we have to do is go back to last year's Coppin State game, right?
0: That uh, that was my a really bad introduction for me.
1: <laughs> that was the first game you covered, I believe, and yep. uh, was not a good. That that was as mad as Joe Dooley. Uh, I've seen Joe Dooley after that game. He was uh, frustrated, and it really since that game they've been pretty dang good as a program. That was kind I think that was kind of the turning point, the wake up call, and they've been pretty good since then. Um, but yeah it's cool I mean just the main thing for me is just seeing ECU beat the teams it should be like take care of business I mean that going out there doing what they should that was the first step for ECU basketball to to start to become relevant again you can't lose to Coppin State you can't lose to James Madison App State um, University of Kansas City or whatever the hell they're called Uh, like those are rice those are games you have to win ECU's won them And I think some of the games they've won this year, Charlotte, UNCW, um, some of these teams are going to end up being pretty quality uh, opponents come the end of the season. So I think that's significant. So it's cool. Do I expect ECU to maintain the highest number of wins in the league all year? No, but uh, it's a a major step in the right direction. All right, Berg Pirate, he comes in next. Of course, he's got multiple questions. It wouldn't be Berg Pirate without that. Uh, Number one, when the American Conference waiver – For playing a championship with 11 teams expires, will we be able to get a new waiver or be forced to expand? Who are some teams not named BYU, Boise State, or Army that may be considered? Well, first off, I don't know the specific language of the the, the waiver. I know that they got it approved for this past year. I assume they have it or will get it approved for 2021 because they already have that uh, schedule set. Um, Because for those not familiar with what he's talking about, usually the NCAA wants you to have uh, an even amount of teams so you can play a conference championship game or divisions, et cetera. The AAC right now has 11, so they don't have divisions, so they just play the top two teams in the league as of right now. As far as who are some teams not named BYU, Boise State, or Army that may be considered, if it were up to me, I would consider Air Force, and that's about it. I mean, I think – I'm not going to add a team just to add a team to this league. Like a lot of people have said, App State, Georgia State, um, Colorado State, like some random ones. To me, that those teams don't bring much value to the American, and no disrespect to App State or Georgia State or any of these programs. But if you're just looking to add one team to get to 12, I want it to be a, a, a program like a Boise State or a BYU or Army that's going to bring in some national headlines some national recognition. Air Force is up there too. I mean huge fan base and alumni base so uh, any of those four are fine with me. Outside of that I just don't see a, a great addition uh, on paper Jonathan. I don't know how you feel about that.
0: Yeah I, I completely agree with you. I, I don't want to like you said just add a team for the sake of adding a team. I think it needs to be a quality program like a BYU or a Boise but I'm not going to pretend to be an expert in expansion or who could be out of them, but I like the idea of Boise state personally, but outside of that, I really, I don't know, I'm just really not sure who else could be in the mix. Yeah.
1: Expansion is an interesting topic and, and Boise, you know, if, they, if they're going to make these requests that they get special treatment from the TV deal or extra money, it's just not going to happen. That's not how same with BYU, just because you're a brand name or you've had some success in the past years, you're not going to get more money than the rest of the American teams. And the Americans shouldn't bow down to that. So uh, I don't think Mike Resko will. But we'll have plenty of talk for expansion talk another day. Uh, number two, would a winning season this year earn Joe Dooley a contract extension? Uh, for me, no. I mean, unless he goes 20-6. and six. You know, if you go, just because you have a winning record, he's in year three of a five-year deal. I don't think this would be the time to extend him. You know, he's coming off two losing seasons. You know, I think Joe Dooley is absolutely the guy. I just think you don't need to extend somebody just to extend them. I think he needs same same thing. If Mike Houston goes out and goes seven and five next year, I don't think he deserves a contract extension based off one successful season. Now, if Joe Dooley goes fifteen and thirteen, and then eighteen and twelve, then yeah, after year four, going into year five, I can see it. But I think year three of a five year deal, I just think you let it ride.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think, especially with money being extremely tight right now, I don't see any of those types of moves, with a dually or a Houston, being a little more bigger buck, um jobs. I I just don't I don't see it. But like you said, I'm not going to rule it out for the future. But right now, I just don't think it makes sense.
1: Yeah, it's it's one of those things. Like if if EC football goes ten and two next year and they compete for a championship, yeah, you do it. Because Mike Houston is going to be having his agent called every five minutes about a new job. And the same thing will be happening for Dooley. If Dooley ever even sniffs the NCAA tournament at ECU, he'll have the same type of setup. But there's a big difference between a winning season and a great season. I think if they have a great season, then, yes, you extend them. Otherwise, I think you wait. Uh, Number three, if a transfer were to commit today, would we be able to get them into school in January? When's the latest a transfer could commit and this still happened? Um, So, yeah, if a transfer were to commit today, as long as he has the um, requirements to come into school and be admitted in the school, he could. I mean, the semester does not start until what, Jonathan, mid January?
0: Yeah, I want to say it's January 18th or 19th.
1: Yeah, so one of those days. So, you really have a, a good amount of time here as we sit here on December 23rd. Um, and I think you can get a kid in the school like a week or two after school starts. So basically mid-January. If you could get a kid committed and he has the requirements and he meets the requirements to get in, um, he could still get into school, which is important for him to go through a spring ball. Um, number four, do we have any more basketball recruits that were after this year? Uh, yes, they are after a lot of uh, other recruits. But at this time, they're kind of playing a wait-and-see game. They really don't know what exactly is coming back for next year. They're trying to figure out what the scholarship situation is going to be, how many guys they want on scholarship, what position they need to recruit, etc. So it's kind of a fluid situation. I mean, they are continuing to recruit Dondre Watson a little bit, the former commitment. Although at this point, I don't expect him back. But that is the type of player they would like to add, ideally. So we'll keep you up to date on that. I think once... January, February comes. We'll have more details about the potential final spot of this recruiting class for basketball. Uh, Pirate Articles, he's got a question. Does ECU make it to the NIT tournament this year?
0: Well, we kind of talked about it earlier, but uh, no, I, I don't see it yet. Not yet.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think this is a... the same type of deal. Like, if they go 500 or if they go 12 and 8 in conference I could see it but will they go 12 and 8 I don't know will they even be an NIT this year I mean at this point I don't even know if – I, I think they'll have an NCAA but to me like I just don't see an NIT unless the vaccine is very widespread by March late March like what's the point of even having the NIT
0: right but yeah like you said unless we have one of those great conference years it's just too soon and, yeah, I didn't even think about that. But we might not even see that. So I think it's hard to predict who's going to be in it.
1: Yeah, I'm the same way. I mean, and to be honest, we just don't know. I don't know if he's going to be in the NIT this year. I would I would lean towards no. That's my guess. But ECU has played two out of 20 conference games, so we can't really say one way or the other. Uh, K-Gun, he's, he's got a question. He said, I started the thread. About our own AAC coaches not ranking Cincinnati number four. Would love to hear your thoughts. Do the coaches truly not believe we belong? Hashtag P6. Uh, good good question here. I don't know if you saw this Red Jonathan or not. Um, but he, you know, I think he pointed out the fact that Mike Houston and a number of other American coaches rank Cincinnati fifth behind Alabama, Ohio State, Notre Dame, and Clemson. All right, here's my thing. I don't have... I would, I, would, I would like to see the AAC coaches rank Cincinnati 4th because I feel like they deserve a fair shot, but I personally do not have a problem with them ranking Cincinnati 5th. I think that's a legitimate... You can make a legit argument that Notre Dame is better than Cincinnati, that Ohio State is better than Cincinnati. Cincinnati being ranked 8th or ninth, that is what I have a problem with, like them not even being in the conversation. So, yes, you would like to see the American coaches try and prop up Cincinnati. At the end of the day, the coaches' bowl doesn't matter a single lick, so it's really not a big deal. But I do think it would help from a respect standpoint, the higher they are in the coaches' bowl. But to me, it's more about Cincinnati just being in the conversation at five rather than being eight or ninth like they are in the college football playoff bowl, where they're not even considered.
0: Yeah, like you said, for them to be eighth, ninth, anywhere past that is ridiculous. But just – put them in the conversation being top five. I don't think that's any disrespect or coaches not saying, not believing that we belong as a power six, but I just think it's a fact that there's four really good teams ahead of them. And there's probably six really good teams that probably deserve a shot and you can't rank them all. So someone's got to come out. Yeah.
1: So I think it's a valid point that K gun makes. I just think it's, I don't know. I, I would like to see the American coaches rank the schools as high as possible, but you also have to be reasonable too. Um. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We had a question about basketball start times, why there are so many start times early versus later. And, you know, I I think it's mostly about travel, the fact that you're not going to have attendance this year, so it really doesn't matter. Um, but it does matter for viewership because it's hard for people who work a weekday job to get off and watch a three thirty tip off on a Tuesday. So I feel your pain there, but I think it's more about, um, more about travel. Like Tulane yesterday, three 30 tip, they were chartering out both the men's and women's basketball team, basically right after the game. So they wanted to get, get out early, um, you know, travel in on Monday and then leave as early as possible on Tuesday. So, You'll see that pretty much throughout the remainder of this year. I think there's only six of 20 conference games at this point scheduled for 7 p.m. or later for ECU, which is pretty crazy. So that's just how this year is going to be. Maybe if attendance is allowed later in the year, you could see some of that change, but right now that's how it sits. Uh, Tarborough Bill, I don't know if I can answer this on the air, but he says, what wild and crazy rumors have you heard regarding ECU athletics from reliable sources over the years? the type that were beyond bonkers but came from sources you had su- used successf- successfully before. Oh, boy. I mean, I feel like we need a Hoist of Colors podcast unedited for some of the stuff I've heard. <laughs> and um, honestly, I would feel bad for putting some of it out there. So I'm going to... Yeah, that's Honestly, it's something I've got to think about, Tarboro. I don't mean to ignore your question, but it's like what stories are safe for the air, even on a podcast where I feel like I can cuss versus what stories are just not meant to be told. Um, So I'm going to stay away from it for now. I will come back to it. Maybe later this year I'll have a, a special podcast where I'll tell some stories. Um, But right now it's Christmas time. I don't want to ruin anybody's Christmas. And so we're going to stay away from that. Jonathan, you've only been doing this for a couple of years, but have you heard any, crazy and uh wild rumors in your time
0: well you know my pretty much only source is you so (laughs) i don't think anything really wild but i'm sure someday i will that's the hope at least
1: i'm sure you've got some other sources out there you're just trying to protect them right now so (laughs) uh that's a that's a fair answer though all right the fifth yeah that's, that's solid um our next question do you think that Terry Holland, former athletic director, will ever be associated with ECU again. Would love to see him honored during a halftime or admitted to our Hall of Fame along those lines. Uh, Ruff McNeil as well. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, you know, Jonathan, I know Terry and Ruff are before your time. But, you know, having interacted with Terry and Coach Ruff, you know, both of those guys, in my opinion, deserve to be in the ECU Hall of Fame. Um and deserve recognition here. You know, Ruff, I think they want to do something with him for sure. But right now he's a um, some type of analyst or assistant role at NC State. So that's not going to happen probably until he retires. I do expect that to happen down the road. Terry Holland, from what I've heard, ECU has reached out to Terry Holland. The new administration has. Um, and I don't know exactly what has gone on there at this point, but I do know ECU has made an attempt to reach out to Terry Holland, at least the administration, like John Gilbert and his crew. So um, there's no bad blood between the AD currently and Terry Holland. I mean, when he was forced out, it was more of the the former Pirate Club uh, crew at that time in terms of the Greenville Mafia is what people call them. That, that kind of forced him out. Um, and many of those people have left. Or moved on. So I think Terry would be welcome back with open arms here. And I would love to see him uh, come back at some point. Uh, Diamond Buck 312, number one. Another expansion question, Jonathan. All right. If Boise joins the conference, does it make us a true power six or does BYU have to join for that too? ECU could add all these, or not ECU, the American had all these schools and ECU will never be a true power six. Or the, I keep calling it, the, I keep calling the AAC ECU, but the (laughs) AAC will never be a true power six because the power five will never allow it to happen. So I think ECU, I think the American will be at that level to where they're clearly the best of the rest. But I just don't see ESPN slash the power five, whoever is behind the curtain allowing it to happen. I, I just think that those people are too money hungry Um, if you add BYU and Boise, that's a really, I mean, that's a strong conference, probably stronger than the Pac-12, honestly, but the Pac-12 is the Pac-12, the American, just the name right now doesn't carry the same weight.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. I don't think it matters who you add, when you add them, or how many you add. I just don't, like you said, the Power 5 conferences won't, they won't let it happen. It's all about money and the American's not going to bring in as much money as a power five conference at this time. So no, so no, it's not, I don't think it makes this true power six.
1: Yeah. I mean, in the it, eyes of others. Right. Exactly. Like I think in reality, the American deserves to be up there, but like from For the, sure. from the eyes of ESPN, you know, if you add Boise state, they're not going to inflate the, the, uh, American athletic conference TV contract, but so much, you know, it, I just don't, and I think ESPN doesn't want to pay out a ton of more money. I mean, they're already shelling out so much money for the SEC and uh, all these other leagues that, do they really want to pay out another massive TV contract to the American? I don't think so. So, uh, um, now, if you add, I mean, the one thing is, if you add if you add Boise, BYU, and Army, I mean, those would be three massive followings that you'd be adding, and you would have the Army-Navy game, Contractually obligated to be in your league. So that would be a massive deal. But even then, I still think the gap between what the ACC, what the SEC gets from uh, TV money versus what the American gets is so far that I just don't know if the American will ever be able to make it up, at least not anytime soon. They just got to keep grinding like they are. Mike Resco is. Maybe one day they'll get there. Maybe one day they'll expand the college football playoff and ECU – or these other schools will have a legit shot to win a national championship, but right now it's just, they don't. Uh, That is the reality. Number two, any staff changes in football this off season outside of the usual grad assistants? Uh, As of my, as of what I've been told recently, I'm not expecting any staff changes. This can always change. Look back at last year, Bob Trot was not let go until January. Um, and so we're just sitting here on December 23rd. I know head coach Mike Houston likes to do a thorough review of the season, the schemes, et cetera. Maybe he'll come to a different conclusion at that point, but I think right now it looks like pretty much status quo going forward. Jonathan, I don't know if your sources are telling you anything different.
0: <laughs> exactly what you just said. No, not expecting anything.
1: Yeah, I think I think it was important for the offense to – finish the season the way they did. I, I do think that there was some dis I don't want to say discontent, but there was some some feelings that the offense underperformed based on relative expectations. So I think the offense finishing the way it did really kind of gives you a boost of what to do going into the off season. Hey, this is what we need to focus on because this is what has success versus maybe what didn't have success earlier in the year. Um number three from Diamond Buck three one two. Have you had a slice of the famous peanut butter pie? I have not. What about you, Jonathan?
0: I have not either.
1: Yeah, I I, uh, I have not tried it. I've been a part of about five Zoom press conferences where it's been asked about, and I'm sure it's great. I'm honestly not a big fan of peanut butter and pie. Like That just doesn't sound great to me. No, me neither. I agree. Uh, I think I would rather have like some chocolate pie rather than peanut butter pie but you know coach houston says it's amazing so maybe one day we'll get special access and try it um number four what is a realistic playoff solution for fps uh i mean for me i would like to see it go to six or eight preferably eight you know i do think there is something to the fact that no matter how much you expand it it's always going to be clemson alabama ohio state at the end of the day like just like you look at the FCS ranks, and Ronnie makes this point all the time, they have a huge playoff, but the last number of years, it's always been James Madison versus North Dakota State. I mean, that's just, your top programs are always going to rise to the top, but I do think expanding it to eight would at least give a team like ECU, Cincinnati a shot at making the playoff, and that's what I want to see. I want to see just a group of five team just have a realistic shot to make it. So to me, eight, Makes sense. Uh, you're probably still going to get seven Power Five schools and one G five, but at least you have a shot. What about you, Jonathan?
0: Hundred percent. I think eight is my ideal um, number. To the people saying sixteen, it's it's never going to happen. Sixteen team playoff, it's it's never happening. But I think most realistically is a six with a couple of the three versus six, four or five, and then the first two teams getting a bye. I think that's most realistic, but the way I look at it, I don't think it matters how many you put. There's always going to be that ninth team, that seventh team, that fifth team now. We're always going to be having a conversation that there's not enough teams. But to me, I think a happy medium is probably around eight.
1: Yeah, I think so. And I think you can't go much more than that. If you do, you have to you have to reduce the regular season. Um even if you go to 8, you might have to reduce the regular season to 11 games because the wear and tear, I mean, I, I, you know, I can't imagine being an FCS team that makes the championship every year. You're playing 16, 15, 16 games. I mean, you're playing an NFL schedule, basically. So uh, college student athletes just shouldn't play that much. So I think I think if they do expand the playoff to a large number at some point, you have to look at reducing the season. But I think 8 is a good middle ground. But like you said, people are always going to want more, just like they want more with the NCAA tournament. The NCAA tournament's been expanded from 64 to 68. One day I'm sure it'll be expanded even more. All right, let's uh, continue on with these questions. Got a few more to go. Straw369, he wants to know who has been the biggest surprise this basketball season so far.
0: Um, I'll let you start.
1: I, to
0: to me, there's an obvious answer, and I think it's Potombo Baruti. Last year, you know, his role wasn't really defined as far as positions or minutes I don't think was really consistent, if I'm remembering correctly. But this year, I think he. there's an argument to be made that he's been your second or third best player. He He's scoring the ball. He's shooting the ball really well, especially from outside. And, and I mean, he's getting – it seems like every time I look at a box score, he's – six seven eight nine rebounds every game so he's made that's a big difference for a team like us who struggles to rebound but i think broody all around offensively defensively he's been really active a bunch of steals especially as of late so all around i think he's he's really surprised me and i think he's gotten a lot better than he was last year
1: yeah, I mean, you you can't say anybody else. I mean, Baruti, we all expected him to be maybe a role player at best this season. Now, last season, coming into the year, he looked like probably the best addition on the team in terms of athleticism and upside. But he just he was never under control. This year, you look at his numbers: nine point three points per game, five point six rebounds. Um, He's just played at a really high level, and, you know, he's got seven blocks, 11 steals. He's doing a little bit of everything. You know, he's shooting 40% from three-point range, 45% from the field, so he's just been really solid. You know, I think in the other direction, Tristan Newton has been the biggest surprise in terms of not scoring as much. Now, you still look at his numbers. I mean, he's still averaging 4.5 rebounds per game, 8.4 points per game. He's got 11 steals, and his assist to turnover is 36-15. to which is really good. Um, but he's just not scoring as much. He's only shooting 36% uh, from the field, which is one of the lowest marks on the team. So, you know, I think if he gets his scoring up the second half of the year, that could really benefit ECU. But I think, you know, Batumba is the easiest answer. Uh, J.J. Miles, not really a surprise, but how well he shot it consistently has been a, a major, uh, major find. He's shooting 52% from three-point range. That's not going to continue, but that's pretty good uh through uh through six games that he's played so um the other big surprise tremont robinson 37 to 11 assist to turnover ratio after having more turnovers than assists last year so um those are just a couple of surprises from uh, ecu's basketball season thus far all right our last round of questions from ecu jackie moon number one i believe we were promised a certain mo story in the off season. Um. All right, so my memory is terrible. I guess at some point I promised that I would tell a Scotty Montgomery story. I'm trying to think. It may have been on a podcast with Bobby Harward. Uh, maybe we'll bring it back at some point. Do you remember anything, Jonathan, that I told you about Moe?
0: No, I feel like I do remember you saying that you would give a story about Moe, but I'm like you. I have no idea right now what it was about, so not yeah. much help.
1: Jackie Moon, help me out. What were what was the circumstances of the conversation? Like I need a direction because there's a lot of mo stories that I've heard. Um I can tell you about his diet that he told me about one year that he went on. Um we could talk about some of his staff members that were very interesting, but I you know, I need I need a direction here. And again, maybe I can include the mo stories in the uh crazy rumors slash uh wild things i've heard maybe he's talking about the the time where mo was unhappy with me filming stuff at practice if that's the one then i can definitely give you that one cuz i think we did kind of talk about that one briefly one time so let me know jackie moon what what direction there uh number 2 has ecu just completely given up on hiring a pirate club director i know we have zero money to spend but that is a, posi- a big position for raising money Yeah, I mean, that's something that uh, I'm honestly pretty shocked that they haven't addressed that. I mean, we are now a full year past uh, Philip Wood's decision to move on from the Pirate Club, and uh, ECU does not have an active Pirate Club director. And when you don't have money coming into the program via revenue streams, which is TV TV money's coming in, but no concessions or in-fan attendance, no gate revenue, you need somebody that can raise money. And right now ECU doesn't have a leader in that department. And I think Mark Hessert is retiring or has retired. He's one of the top guys who has been in that uh, pirate club for a long time too, as far as a salesman. So that's a, I mean, that's a department that honestly needs a complete overhaul. And I know Ryan Robinson is, uh, is, is handling a lot of those duties right now. And I'm sure he's doing a good job, but Ryan's got a lot on his plate as well. So at some point, ecu's got to hire a power club director i mean i would have thought that it would have been done by august but here we sit in december and still nothing there so uh yes they are going to hire somebody at some point they have to uh i think the pandemic has just really thrown a wrench into those things um based on what i've heard so i don't know i don't have much insight there um ecu Moon, final question jonathan Are we surprised by the lack of basketball content being put out by the team? We are 7-1 and playing great, yet there are hardly any videos posted of the guys behind the scenes nor anything similar to get people excited. Football has been crushing that the past few years, but basketball seems lost in that regard. Um, I mean, it's a fair question. I will say this. Number one, football has its own creative department. Uh, Jared Osmick does a phenomenal job. I don't think basketball has that type of role, so, and it's not going to be added right now. So, if you don't have that type of role, who's creating that content? It's not Joe Dooley. I mean, Joe Joe Dooley is not—he doesn't even have a Twitter. So, I don't think he's going to be creating behind-the-scenes videos. Um, Jonathan, I do think that they do need to do more if they can, but um, just given everything going on, I don't think that's a position they really have right now.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think to answer the question, I think it's a yes and no. Am I surprised? No. Like you said, just given the circumstances, there's not really a lot of access for that kind of stuff. But at the same time, like you said, the football guys or the football team that with that kind of stuff, they're great. They do an amazing job. I think we got a little spoiled this year, you know, not really having as much access to the team with football and then having such a great creative department like that and having the content they put out every week. We got a little spoiled coming to basketball season obviously a lot smaller and it's just harder to get access I think a little bit so am I surprised no but I'd like to see more
1: yeah I'm the same way and I think I think the more Joe Dooley wins the more they'll open those departments in a normal year as far as adding roles but right now you know it's just something that ECU has a budget and they have to to work within those confines. You know, Houston McCullough, who works for ECU Athletics as a whole, she does a good job of some of that social media stuff. But she's kind of responsible for a lot of different sports. You know, she just doesn't only do men's basketball. She does some of that stuff um, for men's basketball as far as social media. But there's a difference between having an ECU Athletics person who does everything in a marketing department versus having somebody in-house. Like, Jarrett works for the football team. And, yeah, he's employed by ECU Athletics, but everything he does is football-related. Basketball needs a person like that for men's basketball. That's the only way you're going to get that type of content. Um, But right now, it's just not a role that ECU has invested in because basketball has not been a priority and the budget's not there. So maybe one day, but right now, it isn't there. Um, All right, so that'll do it for our questions. Jonathan, before we get out of here, what did you ask for for Christmas, man?
0: well there's an obvious answer I can tell you it didn't happen I asked for a PlayStation 5 but I'm content with my PlayStation 4 so I asked for a couple of games to go for that as well Um, I asked for the new golf game PGA Tour the new Call of Duty, big Call of Duty guy but man it's tough to come up with a Christmas list every year for me Uh, this is a I mean, you're hearing it right now. This is a struggle I have every year. (laughs) Very frequently around this time of year, starting around Thanksgiving. But, you know, we'll see. I put together small little lists, and I hope my family gets a little creative for me.
1: Yeah, it gets tougher as you get older. And, uh, I mean, so I got PlayStation 5 off Amazon. I was very lucky to be just scrolling up there one day where it popped up, and I ordered it and got it. Um, So I asked for a few games from that. My wife already thinks I play it too much, so I'm sure she'll be (laughs) elated when she sees me open those gifts. Um, But, yeah, you know, outside of that, mainly just a lot of clothes. Like, that's all I can ask for now is clothes and shoes because that's really all I need. I mean, I I basically just sit around the house all day and type on my computer and I, I go work out, and that's about it. That's all I do. And I drive to Pirate Radio sometimes, drive to the games, So I basically just need clothes to survive and uh, play PlayStation in my downtime. So I'm a pretty simple guy. Jonathan, I think you're the same way. Pretty simple.
0: Absolutely. If I'm not on my computer scrolling through something, I'm probably on my PlayStation. Especially now, I don't do much. No in-person classes. Not much to do around Greenville. So.
1: Yeah, it's pretty boring. Pretty boring life right now in Greenville, but uh, hopefully hopefully by the end of next semester, you guys can return to some si- sort of college life before you graduate, but uh, we'll see what happens, but yeah, man, uh, appreciate you joining us on the show all year long, our, our first year of the Hoisting Colors podcast. We'll probably have another one before the end of the year as we sit here on December 23rd, but it's been fun, Jonathan, um, having you back on HTC for another year. And first year on the podcast. And I uh, hope you have a Merry Christmas uh, along with all of our listeners as well. Um, it's been a blast to start the podcast and really make it a, an extension of what we do on hoistthecolors.net. But uh, we'll have you back, Jonathan, down the road probably in the new year. So uh, thanks for everything this year.
0: Sounds good. Thanks for having me and hope everyone has a Merry Christmas and we'll see you next year.
1: All right, that is Jonathan Wagner. I am Steven Igo. We're signing off. Thanks for listening to the Hoist the Colors podcast. Everybody out there, have a Merry Christmas. We'll be back sometime next week.